Hello and welcome to the Low Tox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 137. I just wanted to start by saying thank you to everybody who's sharing the show uh, with friends, with family. When you hear something, you think, ah, I know who'd like this or sharing it simply on an Instagram post or story. This is how we get the good word out. And I truly, truly appreciate all the shares, reviews, etc. every week. Believe me, uh, as a non-celeb, you know, it really is the community that shares this show that grows this message of looking at what it takes to lead a low-tox life and, and taking practical steps towards it, whatever area of our life we're focusing on. And if you want to do that in a more meaningful way uh, in our beautiful Lotox Club, then please do come and join us. Uh, it's only $4 US a month. Uh, you join the Facebook group as a result. You get 20% off all of our courses all the year round. Uh, and we have six e-courses now, so there's plenty of opportunities to learn around different topics. And uh, and a whole bunch of other little things happen in there, including challenges, book club, uh, and the more people join us there, the more we're going to be able to do in there. So check it out on the show notes or simply just head to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and then look for Lotox Life on there and make you a little pledge. Uh, and you have the $10 a month tier that has uh, a little private coaching call with me every couple of months as well if that's of interest. But really, I uh, I think it's a beautiful dynamic we're building in there. And there's a real sense of common ground. You know, there's a lot of public Facebook groups online. I've seen them, I've been a part of them. And I think unless we rein in what the dynamic is, and we really set a sense of culture, rather than just allowing any old person to join us, uh, then we really uh, are very useful to each other. The tone is right. And, uh, and uh, the discussions are deep and non, you know, fly off at the hip kind of lacking in analysis or substance or evidence type things that we often see online. So it's a really beautiful space. And I thank those of you who've already joined me and have joined the conversation and invite anyone out there that that sounds cool to to join me this week. Speaking of this week, I have uh, as our guest today, Dr. Cherie Campbell. And uh, she's a psychologist in the US and uh, she is basically here to share today her expertise, two decades of clinical training and practice so far. Uh, And while her broader kind of desire to help her patients is around limiting beliefs and what might be holding you back and helping you rise up to lead a life where you feel free. Uh, It is really focused today on toxic family dynamics. Now, you might remember a couple of years ago, I did a show with the wonderful counsellor, Paulette Bray Narai, uh, and that was on uh, compassionate communication. Uh, You might also have watched or put down in your diary to watch my um, Do You Feel Like a Lone Hippie webinar that I did, which we've got a bunch of webinars that you can freely download, by the way, in our resources. So what you do is you head to lowtoxlife.com, you click on the Explore tab. I'm actually just going to do this right now live to make sure I'm sending you guys to the right place. Uh, So you click on the Explore tab uh, and it'll bring you a little drop down. And once you hit that little drop down, 
uh, three from the bottom, you have free resources and downloadables. So you click on that, as you might have just heard me do. Uh, and then once you're on that page, you can see we have downloadables to help you start conversations around synthetic fragrance in schools, glyphosate in public parks, uh, food additives in canteens or workplace uh, cafeterias, uh, synthetic turf and potential dangers there. And then under that, we have past webinar recordings that I've done, and they're really, really good. Uh, there's heaps of great uh, information there. I've done a couple with Jude Blarow, one with Nicole Bilsma on healthy homes. Um, but the How to Not Feel Like a Lone Hippie webinar really speaks to all of us who have perhaps started this journey, and maybe you've got 50 tabs open on the internet, you're a member of a bazillion chat groups, you're completely passionate on all things low-tox, but you're getting pushback from your family members, whether it's your mother-in-law, your partner, your adult children, teens, whoever. This is not what I'm talking about today. Today, we are really talking about year upon year upon decade of toxic behavior or abuse, whether it be emotional or physical, and how to free yourself from that. So if that's not you, you know, I really want to make a very clear distinction between literally there being no other way out than to potentially cut ties as Cherie's talking about today. Uh, if you're just having some family friction, please head back to show 63 with Paulette or that Lone Hippie webinar, because in those two resources, we give you a bunch of vocab and a bucket load of ideas on how to disseminate tensions in an effective way that unifies you and brings you closer together rather than creating more divide. Today's show is specifically talking about long-term uh, chronic toxicity in families, not just having the odd disagreement or you know, wanting your partner to change. That's not what today's about. So if today brings up anything for you uh, or for someone that you perhaps pass this show on to, uh, I really want to stress my duty of care here as a broadcaster that you should see your doctor, your psychiatrist or your psychologist, uh, your counsellor uh, or even call Lifeline to help you navigate the feelings you're having around your family if you are in a place where you feel completely stuck. I think it's really important that I acknowledge that uh, for you, if that's you uh, as you listen to this show. Uh, we obviously can't promise that by taking any of Cherie's advice from this show that things are going to be perfect. <laughs> so please do not do anything brash without the support of a healthcare practitioner. If you're feeling like, wow, this has really identified for me that I feel like I am in one of these situations and I now need help, please seek that professional help. Ah, gosh, that was a little bit heavy. But the reason I've decided to broadcast this show uh, is because I feel like getting the mind piece right in leading a low-tox life is so important. And if you are under chronic stress from a family situation that is showing no signs of improving, it's really important that I feel that I can provide uh, a discussion, a book, as Cherie's written uh, from today, that might help you um, get your building blocks together and and create the the life you were meant to have, a life that we all deserve to have, one of a sense of love, compassion, freedom, all the good things. So please pass this on to anyone who you think might need it. Uh, Dr. Cherie Campbell is an incredible resource. Her book is wonderful. 
uh, and we talk about that in detail today. Uh, and I think it's, um, it's, it's going to be really helpful to the people who need it. So enjoy today's show and I look forward to hearing your thoughts in the show notes or just trusting that you've sent this on to a good soul who might need it. Hello, Cherie. How are you? I'm doing phenomenal. Thank you. How are you? I'm so well, thank you. And I'm really looking forward to this chat with you uh, and, and hearing from you how we can navigate the situation of toxic family, because I know it's something a lot of people struggle with, uh, whether it is a um, direct family member or someone in their inner circle. Uh, and toxicity takes on many forms in our life. Uh, and, and it's important not to ignore the kind of stress that might not be like physiological from environmental toxins, but the kind that can be from our relationships. So thank you for joining me. And I want to start by asking you, uh, obviously, you know, one, one studies, one thinks I'm going to be a psychologist. This is what you thought. At what point did you start to get on your radar just how impactful these toxic relationships in family can be? Oh, it's so toxic. I, I, I mean, they, they program you from your very, very beginning to have very limiting beliefs about yourself. You sort of feel like a black hole of a person. Um, as children, we don't question our parents, especially. We assume if there's something wrong that we must be causing it um, because they are older and more powerful at that point in our lives. And we believe them and mm. we are designed to believe them even by our DNA. Uh, kids that believe their parents or follow them have obviously higher survival rates, right, than unparented yeah. kids. But when you're raised under a toxic family system, um, it's just so detrimental to your emotional health. And there's so much gaslighting and so much confusion. You grew up feeling head spun and that you're fatally flawed when in fact the flaw is not in you, it's with the toxic parent. Mm, so tragic. And did, was this something that started to come out in uh, the, the years where you were studying psychology as a passion? Or was it more once you moved into clinical practice that you started to see that this was the area that you wanted to put your focus? Um, well, I grew up in a toxic family system. So mm -hmm. really, for me, my journey about toxic family uh, started very young. And um, as I grew and matured, and I cut ties with my own family. So in my book, you know, cutting ties with toxic family and loving yourself in the aftermath is uh, my readers are going to follow a leader who has suffered. And, and I don't think it's wise to follow a leader who hasn't suffered. Because I know what to do on the front lines of this issue and what it means to cut ties, how hard it is, how many other things I tried, mm. you know, before cutting ties. And I chose to put my story out there because I was so let down by the research and literature that I read. Um, it seemed to be fine to cut ties in a romantic partnership with a toxic person. But when it comes to family I was more or less getting the message to stay and tolerate it and to be myself outside the toxic family. Uh, very little permission was ever given to cut ties. And so I trailblazed this one a bit on my own and um, and the, the little research that was out there that gave the permission. Um, and I cut ties 
and it has changed my life uh, fundamentally and and wholly for the better. Amazing. And so toxic family abuse is it's kind of twofold, isn't it? Because you have that first layer, as you describe, of the abuse that's actually occurring of the original poor treatment by a toxic family member. But then you have the second one, which you kind of alluded to when you were talking about children being so trusting that they just need to take all their cues from their parents which is Mm -hmm. you you move into this uh, denial of the ways in which abusers treat and harm you as as the the person being abused, whether that's emotional or physical. So can we unpack that a bit? The first is obvious, you know, it's the shaming, it's the hateful language, it's the physical sexual abuse. The second part, how do we become at the mercy of this abuse? even thinking it, it's about us needing to be better. This this part really devastates me. Um, I'm very fortunate to not have experienced this, so I'm very much learning here. Uh, how do we do that as humans? We just believe it's our fault. Well, it's hard mm. because limiting beliefs are really programmed. Further, our stress system is on hyper alert. You know, the amygdala hippocampal areas are very sensitive and emotionally abused children. And the the other part of the twofold process is that abuse does not work without intermittent kindness. And so no one would stay in any relationship if it was abusive every day. So one of the manipulations that, that, that toxic family members do is they are sensing of when they may have pushed you too far and then they give you a dose of kindness and then you get doped up on hope that maybe now things are gonna be different, maybe now you're good. And you might be idealized for a little bit, but you will again be devalued and discarded once again just to be sucked all the way back in. Mm. So the system works on this idealized, devalue, discard, and hoover, hoover meaning suck you in. So you really can't heal in an environment that's poisoning you. So when you're uh, not having the choice because you're not of age to be out on your own um, and you are needing food, home, and shelter, um, it's hard to heal at that point. Um, I do treat people at this age and I give them strategies on how to deal with their toxic family members. Um, but when you get out and, and you're finally out, it still took me years. I was, you know, 42 when I cut ties with my sibling and father and 45 with my mother. Um, it's never too late, which is the blessing. Um, and they're never, never going to be toxic. So mm. you have to, at some point in your life, decide that your happiness is more important than staying connected to this false image of a family when really nothing about the definition of family is really present mm. when it comes to love and security. Absolutely. And so what are some of those early building blocks of confidence that people can build to have the courage to even think about cutting ties? For me, it didn't come from courage. It came from knowing that I had had enough. Mm-hmm. You know, it, this isn't a... Uh, uh, something you you build confidence around, you get to a point where the frustration is so unbearable that there's no other choice. So you have to build your confidence, in my experience, after you cut ties, when you doubt your perception, because we're raised to doubt our own version of reality. We are constantly being gaslighted. Uh, when we have the truth, we're being told it's not the truth. They deny, they project, they deflect, you know, nothing's their fault. They're never wrong. It's always us. And oh my so, gosh, it sounds like politics. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, we do sort of have a toxic structure right now for sure. Um, but, you know, 
when it's your family, you want to belong. It's inherent. Mm. So there is no confidence I think we gain that we establish before cutting ties. I think it's that the frustration builds to a point of being so unbearable that you just have to cut ties. Then you build your confidence after. Mm, so it's, it's almost like being, a sense of the frustration then builds the trust that you just know you've got to do this. Yes. Mm. Yes. You get to a place where enough is enough and your body and psyche and spirit will get there all on its own. Mm. Then the challenge is staying no contact and working through your self-doubt and that you're the bad one, that now you're mean. You may question how you're different than them if you're cutting ties. You have to work through all of that in the aftermath of it. Mm. Um, just because we cut ties does not mean our toxic family members change because they don't change. They will see this as a competition with you. They're not going to give you an apology and many survivors think, well, I'll, I'll, I'll cut ties once I have closure. Um, but mm. closure is never given by a toxic person. Closure only comes when you decide that it's closed. Yeah. And, and so how do we do the work? Because there would be many of us that would be in relationships with family members or partners or close friends where there are some, some character issues, let's say, maybe a few flaws, you know, we've all got them. How do we actually define when uh, something is moving into toxic territory? Is it that kind of cycle that you talked about with the kindness, meanness, hoovering yeah. kind of thing that yeah. goes on? So the difference is, yes, we're all flawed. We all have things about us that are not healthy. Um, but we are good people who have bad moments. Great. Toxic okay, that's a great uh a great clarification. Yeah. Yeah. Toxic people are bad people who have good moments. Oh. So it's flipped. So, so a few cues or, or clues as to what makes the difference between flawed and toxic. People with toxic traits or little flaws here and there, they want resolution and they're okay to be wrong. A toxic person doesn't want resolution. They want to win and they're never wrong. Um, they don't apologize. If they do apologize, they might utter those words, I'm sorry, but it will sound like, well, I'm sorry you feel that way. Mm, it um, sort of like reflects. Yeah. Yeah. They're still blaming you. Mm. Right. Um, and they, it's the consistency and persistency that they use their toxic traits. So when I say they're never wrong, I mean, they're never wrong and they don't admit wrong. They find a way to say, I might be wrong, but I only did this because you did blank. So somehow you're constantly blamed. Whereas a healthy person with toxic traits or little flaws here and there may say, wow, I, I didn't see that in myself. I'm super sorry that I hurt you. I will look at it. Even though I don't see it, you know, I will take a look at it um, and see if, if what you're giving me has value, the feedback you're giving me has value. Either way, I'm very sorry that I hurt you. There's no blame on the other person. Mm. Um, so toxic people intentionally abuse and people with flaws accidentally hurt people and they don't realize it, then they see that flaw and they want to change. And a toxic person is above reproach. Mm -hmm. There's no feedback you can give them that they'll take. Yeah. 
that's that's such an in, interesting distinction because it it just makes so much sense when you you flip it that way bad people with good moments versus good people with bad moments um, we can train out the bad moments and make them fewer and further but if there's an intrinsic badness narcissism or whatever then it's it's going to be much harder to deal with and be better at mm-hmm. yeah yeah, and I think that when we have a, a, a person that we know in our gut and, and children don't don't have the ability to conceptualize these large concepts, right? Our brain isn't developed enough, but we feel it in our gut. We just always feel like we can't trust our environment. Um, and that is the clue, is that children always have tummy aches when they are around someone toxic. They're, they're, they don't know how to say, I'm nervous. They don't know how to say, I think something's wrong. They just wonder if it's them and they just kind of go quiet and they have a stomach ache. That's the greatest tummy talk is what I call it, is what I see in children when they have the anxiety is they have a tummy ache. Right. So their they're, they're, they're con- concepts of life like lonely, sad, you know, those things aren't developed yet, yeah. let alone assigning accountability to people who might be causing the sadness. You know, we just see our parents as perfect and we don't know any different. We're not living in a different home. And so we believe the flaw is in us. And that is exactly what the toxic system wants. Right. And and so speaking of children, this is a really tricky one because you might see a child, you know, I'm thinking about being a school parent and maybe you notice a toxicity, you witness it in another family and you see that child in that family. Is there anything helpful we can do in that circumstance to support that child? I mean, is intervening a good idea? If it is, how the heck do we do that? Uh, It's just so heartbreaking to know that a child is experiencing toxicity outside of one's own family. Um, Yeah. Yeah, the hard thing is, is that the toxic family system, unfortunately, by all accounts from the outside looking in, looks absolutely perfect to the bystander. Mm Mm-hmm. Toxic people make sure the billboard that they're holding up of themselves looks incredible. So what was hard for me is people would say, oh, my gosh, I just love your mom, (laughs) you know, and I was like, really? (laughs) So then it ingrained in me that it had to be me. Or if I spoke about her, uh, people would say, well, she doesn't really mean it that way. I mean, you know, she loves you. Hmm. Okay, so it's very hard for the person that's outside the toxic family who may even know your parent very well. The people who are going to know they're toxic are only going to be the people closest to them. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what we can do to help is if a child is saying something about their parent that is negative, it's important for us to say, wow, I am so sorry that that is your experience in your family. What can I do to help? Can I listen? Can I, you know, find you a therapist or, but when we try to convince them that, well, maybe if you do this different, right? It's um, the victim blaming all over again. Yeah. It is victim blaming. It is. And because kids go through different stages of rebellion and other things, the kid actually always gets blamed. And other people just don't want to believe that parents will actually treat their children in these ways. And they do. And they only do it in private. Mm. And, you or know, we public, see this, sorry, go. If it is public, it's so hard to detect. You know, in my book, I compare Rapunzel uh, from Tangled. And, you know, the mother in there is very toxic, similar to mine, where uh, there's a scene where Rapunzel's standing in the mirror and the mom puts her arm around 
Rapunzel and says, look at that strong, amazing woman in the mirror. And Rapunzel's about to smile. And she goes, oops, you're here too. (gasps) Okay, so then Rapunzel has this totally confused look on her face. And then she bops her on the nose and goes, oh, don't be so sensitive. So the actual layperson, that can happen right in front of a layperson, as did as it did happen with me, um, and they don't catch it. Mm. It's so, so it's yeah, it's really hard. And if I think we have a big domestic violence issue in this country, Australia, and uh, I'm not sure what the stats are in America, but we have two women killed at the hand of their partner every single week. Um, and uh, the um, and we're a small population of 25 million, so it's it's a big stat. It's one of our biggest crises. And yeah. what you see when the media then covers this incident is often, uh, you know, especially when there are the the um, father figure shoots the family, um, and everyone yeah. dies. You always see, oh my gosh, but he was such a loving family man. This is, you know, mm-hmm. everyone is just so shocked because what they see on the outside turns out that it couldn't be further from the truth, sadly. And yes. Yeah. And what's what's hard for emotional abuse is that, you know, physical abuse and sexual abuse, there's evidence. There's evidence. There's a bruise. Mm. There's hard evidence. So we can have things like a hashtag Me Too campaign and sisters and judges, everyone supporting us. But emotional abuse, it's it's like you go to share what happened with you and then as you're talking – it like it's like it slips away. You can't prove a look of disgust on someone's face. You can't prove a tone of voice. None of these things are provable. And so we stay stuck in that system longer because we feel like, well, if it was so bad, why can't I explain it clearly? Mm. You and see this a lot with custody battles, right? Yes. Mm. And this is because there's so much gaslighting. They make sure to give enough intermittent kindness to not be able to have a hard finger pointed at them. And there's no evidence. So they gaslight and say, oh, you're just too sensitive. Mm. And do you think that toxic parents were always toxic people? Like, are we born bad? Surely we're learning this from somewhere. And what drives this behavior to continue to build in our lives? I, I, there, you know, it's, it's hard to know if it's fully born, fully raised. I, I definitely can see where the toxic dynamics started in my own family. Oh, can you um, share that with us? I mean, if, if, if you feel comfortable. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, um, on one hand, on my father's side, there was domestic violence and mental illness and things like that. On my mother's side, there was just a lot of money and, um, you know, possibly my grandmother put her career first, at least when my mother was born. But I, I my mom had everything. You know, there was she had everything. They were a very wealthy family. And I think that we either get too much. And that's what I think my mom got or too little, which is what my dad got. And so if you get too much or too little, you end up running an entitlement program. If you got too little, you're going to get yours no matter who you run over. And if you got too much, you feel like the world owes you. Mm. So now you have toxic people. Yeah. Right. So, and then, you know, I think psychopaths, if we want to go all the way there, I think those are born and I think sociopaths are raised. 
the psychopath is emotional this, or is non-emotional and the sociopath is reactive and emotional, right? Mm. So I think that it can go all the way up to that level. I think that what's most important for us as, as the victim is to recognize that we have rights to happiness and we have rights to joy and to have boundaries and to live in a way that we feel good about where we're not auditioning for love every day under the belief that the price of admission for a relationship is to be needless. Mm. Um, we need to make sure that if we recognize we're in a toxic system, that it's very scary to go against it. They're mean. <laughs> when mm. you go against the system, they are brutal. They're mean because they want to intimidate you back in. Um, they don't like their secrets being out because they're narcissistic, right? So I feel like it's it's definitely a nature nurture thing, but it is very environment for sure. And the reason that they stay, I, I also believe that they absolutely know what they're doing. Many people go, well, maybe they just don't know any better, you know, constantly excusing this person. They know exactly what they're doing and they intentionally do it and they do it because it works for them. Mm-hmm. They get they get what what they want. They don't care about the consequences of what that costs other people. They get what they want, and it works for them. Who is they when you're you're, you're talking about this? Well, toxic people, toxic right. parents could be a toxic sibling. You know, um, my book isn't about toxic partners simply because there's so much literature out there on that. Um, but you know, what let's say what my father or my mother does those manipulative strategies work for them. So why would they change something that works? If they don't care about how they affect other people because they clearly don't, then there's no need to change what they're doing. Gotcha. And and so then having a toxic sibling that you had to cut yourself off from as well, did all of them stay together? <laughs> like are, are your parents still together or...? No, my parents are not together. They actually uh, married multiple times each. And my brother was the golden child in the family. And I was the scapegoat. Mm-hmm. Um, I always wanted to be the golden child when I was little. I always wanted to be adored like him. Um, I could see them adore him. I think they adored him for performance reasons and how good he was an incredible athlete. And that made them look very good. And it took the spotlight off the bad parenting because he performed so well that that's what everyone focused on, right? So mm. I was not at his level. I was still a great athlete, but certainly not at his level. And I was sensitive, and I didn't, uh, I didn't transition well. They each married four times each, so I didn't transition well through that um, as he did. And I became a drag. I became a drag for them. I was holding them back from their freedoms to do and be who and what they wanted to do and be. Um, and I, and I would, you know, when, when a child's really loved, like they really know it. Mm. And I was loved at least by her, by my mother, because she had to love me. So she, it was like, it was obligation love. It wasn't real love. I never felt truly loved by her. And it was so, like, I was here. She had to love me uh, because I could see her have an adoring relationship with my brother. Um, and do I think she adores him for who he is? I don't personally but the attention and emotional reaction that she gained to narcissistically feed off of from his performance was really good for her ego, you know? Mm. And doesn't that just uncover a huge uh, 
insecurity in someone when you need your kids to look good for you to feel like the story you can tell yourself about yourself is that you're a success. Yes. I mean, and I can't tell you how many people uh, in my office I've treated teenagers that are still under their parents, you know, reign is how many of them are forced into certain colleges or or sports because the parents want it, mm. you know, and 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 how much punishment and wrath comes down when that child is not making the parent look like a good parent. It's incredible what I see. And I and I grew up in that same way. Um, and so I'm now very grateful that I was the scapegoat only for the reason that the scapegoat, as I've studied, is the healthiest person in the dynamic. And we will actually question the dynamic where the golden child is addicted to the dynamic and addicted to the power and the attention and they become narcissistic themselves. They go against the scapegoat as well. They want to maintain their position, Mm. right? As the only star in the family. So, um, I questioned the system Mm. and thank God I did because it definitely saved my life. And now I get to offer something of value to others who are like me, where I would have loved to have any of what I wrote in my book. I think it would have saved some of my healing time in trying to regather my self-worth. Yeah. So let's talk about that healing time. You cut ties Obviously, that's quite, is it done in a very formal, definitive way, in your opinion? Is it really important to say, I'm literally never going to see you again? Uh, or how did, how did that part of it work out for you? How did, how did you actually cut the ties? So there was always a lot of conflict if I spent any time with my mother. So I tried low contact first before cutting ties. I thought if I see her less and talk to her less, you know, maybe that will, at least I'll have some type of connection. Well, that didn't work. (laughs) So then I tried cordial contact, which was just, if we did happen to talk, I'd be very cordial. Um, I might see her once a year. And at that once a year, there was an issue um, that she made. And she actually cut me off all over following the wrong white car to a restaurant. Um, Yeah. And so she cut me off and said goodbye to my daughter and did other things. And then I came to find out that she reached out to my ex-husband, who she couldn't stand and um, didn't speak to for 10 years. And so she already knew that she was going to try to establish a relationship with him to triangulate my daughter and see her behind my back without my permission. Wow. So... I also found out that she called the closest person I had to being a father growing up and told him I was a monster. She didn't know what got into me. And, you know, I just decided at that point when I saw her texting my daughter and not texting me, I felt very unsafe. I felt unsafe for my daughter. Um, Finding out that she contacted my ex-husband was such such a betrayal. And so I blocked her number Mm -hmm. and I didn't tell her I was cutting ties. I just decided I was going to stop mending fences. My role was if there was ever a problem between us that I would have to fix it. I had to be the fixer. She will not apologize. Um, She will not do any of those things. She will make me fix it. And I thought, well, you know, let's see, I'm not going to mend the fence and let's see what she does. And it's been three years. Wow. Mm -hmm. And now she'll send me interesting gifts twice a year 
Um, and she does that so that she can fake that she's tried and I'm stubborn and I. It ends up being your fault again. Yeah. Yes. So she just scapegoats me again. And I don't really care anymore what people think. I had to really get over that. Um, I know exactly who she is and she only contacts me on Christmas and my birthday. And so those days make her look good. Um, but the other 363 days a year where it would be actually very genuine, uh, I never hear from her. Mm-hmm. And is this a common pattern with uh, when yes. when someone cuts ties away from toxic people that they then try and build a case with anyone else that will still talk to them against yes. you? It's called the smear campaign. Mm-hmm. So what they do is they jump in front of the truth, which is why she so desperately called people within six hours of of an issue over following the wrong white car to a restaurant. Okay, so mm-hmm. um, she had already known that she was going to do this, apparently. And but when I saw how deep the betrayal was, it, it was scary for me. It mm-hmm. really was very scary because this is my mother. And no matter how much we haven't gotten along, you still don't expect your own mother to do something like this. You just don't. It's surreal. And, um, but it really brought to light that I was done. Mm. So it wasn't coming out of confidence. Like we had talked about earlier. I just thought if she's willing to go this low and triangulate my daughter between divorced parents is so awful. And, um, it almost serves as a confirmation, right? Yeah. It's just, Mm. for me, I'm like, I'm done. I have Now I know for sure this is enough for me to know I'm not crazy. I've never been crazy. She's exactly who I always thought she was. And she's mean. And she does not love me. This is not love. And I cut ties. And uh, it was an adjustment. It's still an adjustment, you know. But it's beautiful because I'm so much happier. And my life has become free. And I have a loneliness about not having a family um, and I will always have that. And I accept that I will always have that. But I had that even when I had my family, right? Mm. Because they weren't healthy. Yeah. Well, lonely and toxic is better than just lonely. Absolutely. <laughs> and really, lonely can just become alone, which can then create a path to building and constructing your own sense of family. Yes. And I feel I've been able to keep my daughter safe, Um And I've experienced a lot of separation abuse since the time of cutting ties because she would rather threaten me back, starve me back than just genuinely tell me that she's sorry. Mm. So I finished my second book. Um, It hasn't gone to editing yet because I've got a different book in editing right now. But part two to But It's Your Family has been finished. And it's a matter of just um, editing it. And, and, you know, that's going to be a year or two simply because I've got another book in the lane. But Um, I didn't really know what the aftermath was fully going to be like uh, because there's been no one before me to read, (laughs) Mm. right, on what to do or what happens. Well, it's such a taboo thing, right? Like right at the start, you were talking about how you're born into this family and all the the, uh, um, suggestions out there are that we need to figure out how to make do as best we can with the family that we've got. 
And yeah. so if that's what the message is, it, it, you can imagine, I mean, it's scary to imagine how many people have been growing up in toxic family homes and uh, feeling like they really just need to deal with it. You know, like we always kind of j- almost joke about, oh, my gosh, Uncle Stephen filling people up the wrong way again at Christmas again. <laughs> you know, like there's so many yes. stories of toxicity in well, so many forms. And you're and giving people why- permission to say, you know what, I'm I, this is not right and I can leave this if I yes. want. Absolutely. And I think it's why the book has been a number one new release on Amazon for the last, gosh, since it came out in Kindle, it's, you know, it's like the top 40. So it's, but it's number one more often than not. And I just had no idea. Um, I had no idea. And I have a huge Facebook following. And it's amazing to me how many people have been living in this with no solution, no real solution other than tolerating it. Right. Mm. So it's just been really special because uh, I certainly don't feel nearly as alone as I did before because I, I wrote this book and now there's this whole huge group of people that are like, oh my God, I was living in that. I knew something was wrong, but I couldn't put words to it. You know, you've put words to my story. And that's that's the blessing is to take our pain and and use it for positive. I didn't cut ties out of hatred. I didn't cut ties to get even. I didn't cut ties because of any other reason that I just needed to protect myself. I don't encourage hate. I don't encourage the breaking up of families. I simply encourage protecting the families below. Like my daughter is raised by a healthy mommy and she will have a much better shot at not bringing any toxicity into her own family, Mm. right? So I'm in the business of not breaking families apart, but saving the family below the person who has finally decided to stop the pattern. And that's a great business to be in. Mm, absolutely. And do you think, um, obviously, there the word closure was one, I think you brought it up really early mm-hmm. on in our chat. And it's such a buzzword, right? We, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I got closure. It's amazing. You know, we, I can finally move on. But in this scenario, often there is no, no big closure conversation. And uh, and you, you, you um, what am, what am I trying to say here? It's kind of like you, you almost have to make peace without yeah. actually having a moment that says this is done. Yeah. And the great thing is that she did cut me off. And so all I thought was I didn't feel like I had done anything wrong because they followed the wrong white car. You know, uh, it's so silly. Even just makes me <laughs> chuckle laughing about it. Yeah, but it that obviously I... wasn't like the one thing no, that no. happened. It was the straw that broke no. the camel's back. It's the yeah. It yeah. definitely was not the 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 biggest disagreement we'd ever had. I, <laughs> I could can imagine guarantee not. you that. Yeah. But it was the end point mm. because it was so ridiculous, mm. right? It was just so childish, and I just could not believe that it turned into this type of an issue, uh, especially when I called them four times in a two mile drive to get them to where they needed to go. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's just ego, and I feel that in letting all of that go. And I don't, if you go to a toxic person with anything rational, all they're going to do is make you feel crazy. So if you go, I'm going to cut ties now, you know, if you think they're going to agree and go, you're right, you know, I'm so toxic and I'm not good to you. You should protect yourself from me. Like that's like insanity. It's never going to happen. 
that's never going to happen. They're going to go, well, look at you. You just walk away every time. I mean, I've heard it all. I can, so, I can totally picture Carrie Fisher saying to Meg Ryan in When Harry Met Sally, you're right, you're right, I know you're right. You know, it's yes. just not going to happen. No, and, mm. and it's hard because this is our family. We're not losing a sock, mm. you know. Uh, we're not losing a boyfriend, a girlfriend. Not that that pain isn't terrible because we've all been through horrible heartbreak. But to be in this world without any security, like if something bad happened to you financially or, mm. you know, you can, you can go to your family with a success or a failure and get support. When you have none of that and everybody you know has that, it's like you're naked all the time, mm. you know, and then people get curious on why and then all your wounds get triggered. You know, it's it's not an easy journey going no contact. So no one in their right mind would choose it. It's, it's that you don't have a choice. It, it turns into be so miserable that you would actually rather deal with all the scrutiny you'd get from society or all the misunderstanding and people wanting to come in and fix your family and surely you're just being too sensitive and you have to face all that, mm. you know. But the great thing that I've seen in the last three years is that over time, my toxic family with their separation abuse, they just reveal all on their own how toxic they are. And then I'm done explaining myself, you mm. know. It's so true, isn't it, with toxic people? I mean, this might seem like a really crazy parallel to draw, but I remember back in my young 20-something day, 20 days, I ran the door of a nightclub. And uh, in that time, you know, when you, you could get a, a gut feel about someone just not being right for the club and I'd say, I'm afraid we're full up tonight. I'll have to ask you to step out of the queue. Uh, and, uh, and they would arc up and get completely uh, verbally abusive. Yes. And it would just be the perfect illustration for exactly what I knew in my gut was telling me why that person should not be in the club. And it's it's just as you said, you leave, you cut the ties, and they reveal all all by themselves all the yes. crazy reasons that you actually just had to leave. I find it really yes. it's a it's you see it in so many different circumstances yeah. in human behavior. You just have to be patient. And the thing is is if you're doing it to be right or to I don't know, to get revenge, you're doing it for all the wrong reasons, right? Um, this shouldn't be about revenge as much as it should, as it should be about your own personal redemption, mm -hmm. your willingness to love yourself enough to risk being misunderstood in society, to risk, you know, being alone in the world. I have a very small family. I don't even have one cousin, so I'm truly alone. Um, but I've also never felt happier. And it's not that I don't get lonely for a family, right? Mm. And I don't hate my toxic family members. I don't like them, but I don't hate them. And I don't see any point in exacting revenge. My book wasn't written out of revenge. I don't know if they know about it. I don't care if they read it. Um, it doesn't matter to me because it's for me, it's, it's not about the me writing this book doesn't serve me at all. I mean, it puts me up against something really ugly that I left, right? Mm. So I just really wish that when I was young and really suffering and all the confusion and feeling so headspun and that I was such a loser that I would have had a book like this because it would have saved me so much heartache. Mm. Uh, and so this isn't about revenge. It's about your own personal redemption. It's about proving to yourself that you have what it takes to set the boundaries so that you can trust that you will keep the good in and get the bad out no matter 
who mm. <laughs> it and, is. And that's what you talk about when you say you you have to protect your personal field, right? Yeah. Mm. So how do yeah. you, what are some of the strategies that someone in your situation can take to not repeat it? And Because quite often you see people not able to see the signs that they're jumping right in again with a new group of people. Oh, my God. I repeated that pattern over and over again. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I dated so many toxic people and had so many toxic friends. It was just nutter. But I was not able to stop doing that until I truly cut ties with my family. Mm-hmm. That's just me. I can't say that that would be true for everybody else. Maybe there are people who can do the cordial contact or the low contact and find a healthy partner. As long as I was being poisoned. Um, I mean, just seeing my mother's name on my caller ID was enough to make my blood pressure mm. <laughs> jump. So- well, it's kind of like people living, you know, I was living in a water damaged home full of mold getting really sick, trying to take every supplement under the sun, you are never going to get better while you are in the place of damage. And I don't see that toxic families are any different. I agree with you. And I love your metaphor on that. That's really brilliant. And yes, that's how I felt. So for me to get free, I've been through a lot of therapy. I'm still in therapy. I'm a shrink who sees a shrink. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Well, you're just, you know, poster child for the profession, really. It's That's right. And I I actually now I I would encourage everyone, if your therapist doesn't see a therapist, then, you know, I think you should be concerned about that. You know, we can only take our patients as far as, as we've grown. And we need to have compassion and humility for what it's like and the vulnerability of being on that couch. My hope is that anyone who's in my field will always want to grow, right? And it just keeps me stable. And I was able to really work through um, my inability to see toxic up front. And oftentimes we can't because there's a whole host of love bombing that goes on in the beginning of any new relationship. It's really you have to stay over time and see if there's a consistency or persistency of a pattern that is not healthy for you. Mm. We aren't going to know on the first date or the first day, mm. you know, um, because unless they're they so treat smooth. The, unless they're just they treat the waiter badly. That's always a really, good, uh, a really good clue. Um, now, okay, so I, w- I would really like to know three years in to you having cut ties, how have you started to think about rebuilding a sense of family? I know it's not the actual people you're biologically related to, but have you been able to start thinking about that yet? And what does that look like? I used to always look for a replacement family. Mm-hmm. Um, always. As a little girl, I was, oh, I was, I would hope I would be a teacher's favorite or whatever, but I was acting out, you know, so I I didn't ever land those jobs. Um, Mm. But I always wanted people that I thought were good people or that other people thought were good people to love me in the ways that I wasn't being loved. Um, And I did that for years. And I actually don't even think about a bonus family anymore. I've had many people want to rescue me. um, And it started to feel sort of almost like belittling at some point. Mm. And I don't have that need anymore. Um, I, I love my boyfriend's family to death, but I have a family. Okay. Mm. And, and that's the hardest thing. It isn't knowing that your toxic parents are toxic. It's accepting that they're toxic. I have a family. Um, I don't like my family, but I, I love them. They're still my family. And I, I don't want anything to do with them. So 
I have come to fully accept the family that I have. Therefore, I don't need a new family, right? I just love the love that's in my life. And I recognize there's a hole in my heart. And I've learned the hard way that the only people that could truly fill that hole would be my own family members. Mm -hmm. And they are not going to change to fill that hole. So when I am putting or in my past, I've put other people in that hole. Um, I think it was unfair to them. I think I could have um, expected more from them and maybe felt let down because I was putting them in a place that they don't belong. We only have one family. Um, and this is what you mourn, right? So I will be in mourning over the fact that I have family members that I don't like and I can't be around and be safe. But I have a family. And so I look at the loves in my life and I set them free from any pressure to make up for me what's lost because they couldn't anyway. They cannot go back to my first years of life and re-raise me. Mm. And but so I no longer you, look for that. Do they give you a sense of family? Do I have extended family? No, no. Do they give you a sense of family, like a, a feeling that mm. uh, they're people that you can turn to in a really tough time? You know, just yes. that, that really yes. deep support. I group. have so much love in my life. I really do. Um, I don't know that I attribute them to family. Maybe family has become a dirty word for me, mm, <laughs> you know, because of my experience. But I, these are my little soulmates, you know, sort of how I look at it. Um I have a lot of love in my life and I love and appreciate it more than I could ever even express. And I will say that I have just really developed a special relationship with me. I've learned to really like me and to depend on me for mostly everything. Um, and that makes me, I think, easier to love. I've just had to really go inside and find a path to my heart where I could find me not a loser, but lovable. Mm, interesting. And so, what does your self-care look like? What is my what? Your self-care. Oh, goodness. Lots <laughs> of self-care. So, I'm an avid reader. I would say I'm sort of an anxious overachiever. Um, the stronger my purpose is in the world, um, in, in, in giving value and helping other people, the more I feel cared for in a lot of ways. However, I journal write like crazy. The dialogue that I have with myself to myself makes me feel not by myself, but with myself. Um, I don't, because I take care of me, I don't need other people to, to come in and parent me or reparent me or do anything different than they would for anybody else that they love, right? I don't want any added pressure for anybody. And I exercise and I hike a lot. And I love my daughter. I give my daughter everything I never got. That's a very corrective experience for me to be able to do that. And I feel like my therapy is uh, the place where I can go and bring in a brag if I want to have a moment of being happy about my achievements. Um, and I can also go in in the lowest of lows. And I've got this person there who's just unconditionally there, non-judgmental, and helps me work through the problem. Beautiful. And speaking to the uh, the your daughter, uh, obviously when you cut ties, that affects 
other people in the scenario, uh, not speaking yeah. specifically about your situation, there might even be three daughters, two cousins, four uncles, you know, how does one sort of explain without trying to create a sense of needing to pick sides for those other people when you decide to cut the ties? Well, I, she wanted to cut ties. Um, kids are very bright. Um, I will say that she was never really a fan of my mom. She also didn't spend hardly any time around my dad. She didn't see my dad since she was two. My dad's uh, much more out of my life than in and has always been. Um, so I let her put my mom on, uh, do not disturb on her phone because cutting ties it should not be the habit. It's it's not a habit we should make just because we have a bad moment in a relationship, you know. Mm. But I also feel like it's my duty to protect my daughter from the same abuse as I got. And I would see my mom manipulating a lot. And my daughter was already so attuned. And also, she has seen my mother come out and visit me and just create utter destruction in my life twice. Mm. So... Unfortunately for my mother, my daughter was there with her dad when uh, my mother called him. Right. And my mom, she came home and was so distraught about it, knew it was wrong. And um, she's actually never been blocked from my daughter's phone even currently. And she doesn't reach out. Mm. So, you know, there, she was just going to use her for a minute. And when that didn't work, I mean, she just doesn't care anymore. Right. So, so she was a, t- a pawn in her story rather than uh, yes. someone. Yeah. Okay. I get it. And but I will say that there are middlemen that are used in the aftermath of cutting ties and they're known in the literature as flying monkeys. It's people that you are mutually connected to that they use to sort of sneak in your life. And with one of those people, I had to let her know, if you continue to bring up my mom, knowing our situation, I will have to cut ties with you as well. So you need to decide if you can keep the relationships mutually exclusive, totally understand if you can't, but I need to protect myself. And the whole point of cutting ties with her or not being in communication with her is to protect myself. So if she's sneaking in through you, then you're hurting me. Mm, Absolutely. And, you know, I think you would very quickly find out what side of the fence people were on, right? As you, as you bring up those conversations. Very clearly. And she respected me. She has respected that boundary. And, you know, I don't ever set boundaries with malice. It's just facts. And my self-care and getting to this place has been a long journey. And I've climbed all the way up Mount Everest. I really don't want to go to the middle of the mountain and have to do the top again, you know. So I just stay in a space where I have the relationship. It was actively verbal. And now it's actively nonverbal. You know, that's really the only difference. Yeah. Amazing. And uh, I, I want to thank you for sharing this incredible story of your own, as well as uh, the gems from the book that you share to help people navigate this in their own lives. What would you say to someone who was feeling completely trapped by their family situation right now at this point in time as a message of hope and a, a potential wake up call? So I would love to tell that person that the anticipation of cutting ties is a lot scarier uh, than the actual uh, doing it and that life life gets better. I feel like my toxic family and my attachment to it 
my constantly auditioning or trying to change who I was to, to get them to like me really what acted like a dam in my life for all the good, right? Mm. It was crazy. It's like as soon as I cut ties, I landed two book deals, which is unheard of. They You don't usually land another book deal until a year after they see how your first book sold. Mm. That did not happen. I landed two within six months and got two out in the world in six months. And so I found a man that I truly love and, you know, we are enjoying our relationship and there's good communication and finally someone who's not toxic um, because I don't have someone poisoning my self-worth all the time, you know, so my life has gotten so much better and, and there's peace and there's freedom and, and, and so you can do it and there's self-doubt, but that's a beautiful thing to work through. Right. Mm -hmm. It's if you love self-development, you know, it's important to look at those limiting beliefs and then overcome every single one. I mean, how beautiful would that be if you knew you could overcome these limiting beliefs that were just lies that were told to you about you and you can't do it. If I can do it, you can do it. What a beautiful message of hope to finish with. I, My heart goes out to anyone in our community who's feeling this way. We have sh- all of Cherie's work, her website, her book, uh, all available on the show notes today. Uh, Dr. Cherie Campbell, I want to say thank you so much for sharing your story and your work with us today. Oh, thank you for having me. I, I I'm feel blessed that there's an avenue to get the message out and that I get to be surrounded with people like-minded as as you are, where we get to do such a beautiful thing in the world. That's right. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoy having these conversations and bringing them to you. Now, where can you find me and Lotox Life from here on in? Well, you've obviously got lotoxlife.com and there we have everything beautifully organized into food, home, body and mind topics as well as kids and a whole bunch of free downloadables and resources to help you, inspire you to take community action. And there's amazing A to Z recipes there if you're ever getting a little bit stale in the kitchen and a whole bunch of articles that I've written. You can also find me on Instagram at Lotox Life and also on Facebook by a page the same name. I make everything super easy, Lotox Life, so you can find it really, really simply. Thank you so much to everybody who leaves a five-star review over on Stitcher or iTunes or wherever it is that you tune into the show. And also to let you know that you can join us on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Lotox Life and come join the private Lotox Life Club. In there, over time, more and more cool stuff is about to be added. It's a place where we can continue the conversations, chat about the weekly show, you're going to get bonus Q&A and all sorts of things over time. I explain everything over on Patreon, so I encourage you to check that out. And in the meantime, I'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.